morning and greetings to each of you this morning. Thankful that we have so many brothers with us here today. We've been looking forward to it and glad that you're here with us and trust that we've all had a prayer upon our heart <clears throat> that uh, the Lord would be here with us today. As we prayed there, I just, uh, thoughts that came to my mind were the many different ways that Satan would try to hinder us today, try to rob his, this word so that it wouldn't be able to enter into our hearts. And the Lord spoke about that, and he referenced the hearts, and he said that there was some hearts that were seed cast by the wayside, and the birds came and plucked it up, and then and there was that seed that was planted on the stony ground, and there was maybe excitement for the word, there was excitement to hear it, it was exciting to receive it, but it didn't last very long, maybe by Monday or Tuesday, or however long that would be, the sun kind of scorched it already, and it was forgotten, and it dried up. And there was some that was cast by the, among the thorns, among the, the weeds, maybe, and the cares of this life, and choked the word, wasn't able to bring forth any fruit. But then there was that seed that fell on the good ground, and it brought forth. And so that would be our prayer, really, isn't it? That, and yet we find that we, we could find our heart in any one of those places, couldn't we? Just through weaknesses of the, <coughs> the flesh, being tired, maybe, maybe looking at the week ahead of us here with busyness, work, all the different things, the cares of life. Or maybe we're here and we're just really excited and we're glad to be able to be together, but maybe tomorrow there'll be other distractions and we'll be excited about something else tomorrow. We'll be real glad to be able to do something else on Tuesday or some kind of fun or excitement and we'll have kind of forgotten the word. So that's real for all of us, isn't it? It's a real, there's the many ways that Satan would come and try to distract us and rob us and take away that word, but we just want good ground. We, we want our hearts to be right. We want our hearts to be prepared so that it's soft and that word can be implanted there and that it can actually bear fruit tomorrow, bear fruit today. By the end of next week, it can just continue to go on and there, there can be a harvest. So trust that we've prayed. <clears throat> The words opened here to the book of Ezekiel.
have here Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel chapter 20, we'll begin at verse 1. It's a rather long chapter. I don't know that we'll, that we'll get through all of it, but we'll start at Ezekiel 20, verse 1. And it came to pass in the seventh year and the fifth month, the tenth day of the month, that certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and sat before me. Then came the word of the Lord unto me, saying, Son of man, speak unto the elders of Israel, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Are ye come to inquire of me? As I live, saith the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. Wilt thou judge them, son of man, wilt thou judge them? Cause them to know the abominations of their fathers. And so what we have here, imagine this this, uh, scene that's before us here, that certain of the elders, they came, and, and they were, as it says here, they, they, I'm sure, knew that Ezekiel was a special man, he, that he was, the, as he's oftentimes referred to here as a son of man, and he was undoubtedly known to be a prophet among the people, and he was pronouncing things, the word of the Lord to them, and so they came here, and they, they had some things to inquire of him. And these men probably outwardly looked maybe religious, righteous, holy. And yet there was something about these men, these elders, that God could see into their, into their lives. God could see into their past. And he, he, wasn't, he wasn't going to be tricked. He wasn't going to be fooled by lip service, so to speak. Says, are you come to inquire of me? As I live, saith the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. Let's go down to verse five and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, in the day when I chose Israel and lifted up mine hand unto the seat of the house of Jacob and made myself known unto them in the land of Egypt, when I lifted up mine hand unto them, saying, I am the Lord your God. In the day that I lifted up mine hand unto them to bring them forth out of the land of Egypt, into a land that I had espied for them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. Then said I unto them, Cast ye away every man the abominations of his eyes, and defile not yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me. It would not hearken unto me. They did not every man cast away the abominations of their eyes. Neither did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I will pour out my fury upon them to accomplish mine anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I wrought for my name's sake that it should not be polluted before the heathen among whom they were, in whose sight I made myself known unto them, in bringing them forth out of the land of Egypt. Wherefore, wherefore <clears throat> I caused them to go forth out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. And I gave them my statutes and showed them my judgments, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. Moreover, also I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctify them. 
But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They walk not in my statutes, and they despise my judgments, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. And my Sabbaths they greatly polluted. Then I said I would pour out my fury upon them in the wilderness to consume them. But I wrought for my name's sake that it should not be polluted before the heathen, in whose sight I had brought them out. Yet also I lifted up mine hand unto them in the wilderness, that I would not bring them into the land which I had given them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands, because they despised my judgments and walked not in my statutes, but polluted my Sabbaths, for their heart went after their idols. Nevertheless, mine eye spared them from destroying them, neither did I make an end of them in the wilderness. But I said unto their children in the wilderness, Walk ye not in the statutes of your fathers, neither observe their judgments, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes, and keep my judgments, and do them. And hallow my Sabbaths, and they shall be a sign between me and you, that ye may know that I am the Lord your God. Notwithstanding the children rebelled against me, they walked not in my statutes, neither kept my judgments to do them, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. They polluted my Sabbaths. Then I said I would pour out my fury upon them, to accomplish my anger against them in the wilderness. Nevertheless, I withdrew mine hand and wrought for my name's sake, that it should not be polluted in the sight of the heathen in whose sight I had brought them forth. I lifted up mine hand unto them also in the wilderness, that I would scatter them among the heathen and disperse them through the countries." because they had not executed my judgments, but had despised my statutes and had polluted my Sabbaths, and their eyes were after their father's idols. Wherefore I gave them also statutes that were not good, and judgments whereby they should not live. And I polluted them in their own gifts, and that they caused to pass through the fire all that openeth the womb, that I might make them desolate to the end, that they might know that I am the Lord." Therefore, son of man, speak unto the house of Israel, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Yet in this your fathers have blasphemed me, in that they have committed a trespass against me. For when I had brought them into the land for the which I lifted up mine hand to give it to them, then they saw every high hill and all the thick trees, and they offered their sacrifices, and there they presented the provocation of their offering. There also they made their sweet savor and poured out their drink offerings. Then I said unto them, What is the place whereunto ye go? And the name thereof is called Bema unto this day. Wherefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Are ye polluted after the manner of your fathers, and commit ye whoredom after their abominations? For when you offer your gifts, when you make your sons to pass through the fire, ye pollute yourselves with all your idols, even unto this day. And shall I be inquired of by you, O house of Israel? As I live, saith the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. And that which cometh into your mind shall not be at all, that ye say, We will be as the heathen, as the families of the countries to serve wood and stone. Would have been a little bit of an awkward meeting, wouldn't have it? I've sat there, these men are coming, inquiring, wanting to hear the word of God, and being rebuked and, and admonished and chastened by God, by this man of God would have been a little bit of an awkward meeting. Probably not what they were actually wanting to hear, and yet what they needed to hear. They really did need to be brought to repentance, didn't they? They really did need to be chastened and admonished because they weren't serving God rightly. Maybe they even thought that they were, 
there's probably, it would maybe even imply at least that because they were coming to the man of God, it was maybe imply that they were thinking that they were doing it right, and yet really admonished because they were doing it very wrong. Open to hymn number Let's pray together. Our kind Heavenly Father, we bow before Thee and we thank Thee that we can bow before Thee, Father. Father, these are 
joyful times, these moments when brothers and sisters, we can come before thy throne together collectively, united in prayer, bowing before thee, O Father, in spirit, believing and trusting and knowing that thou dost even hear us, and that, Father, that thou from heaven art able to even answer our prayers and our requests. Father, so often we come before thee, thou who art able to do all things, who hast all power, all knowledge, the great I am. It seems, Father, that our prayers so often testify to how small and weak we really are. We come before thee, Father, who art able to do all things, and yet we ask for such little things. We ask for such small things. And it reveals, Father, our weakness. It reveals how small we are. We pray that thou would forgive us for this, Father. We pray that we might come before thee, not in our own strength, not in our own boldness, but realizing, Father, how great thou art, and that because of what thy Son has done so many years ago, in shedding his blood there on the cross, and making salvation available to all men, that there has been a way made possible even for this very moment. For had he not died there on the cross, Father, we know we would not dare come before thee. How could we lift up our prayers before thee, O Father, if it were not for, the, for what thy Son has done for us? And Father, we thank thee for this. We pray that it would not be in vain, we pray that it would not be show, but that our hearts would truly be humbled before thee, Father. And we pray that thou would even teach us, as so many years ago, the disciples said unto thee, O Lord, teach us to pray. We pray, Father, that thou would teach us to pray. And that we would not be ashamed to even ask for those things that seem to be great for the salvation of souls who are lost, those souls who have hardened their hearts and lived in sin, maybe some for not many years, but maybe others for many, many years, of hard hearts, stiffened necks. We pray, Father, that thou would break them. We pray, dear God, that thy word would penetrate down into their hearts, that they could be humbled. For we know that thou dost resist the proud, but thou dost give grace unto the humble. And so, Father, we know that the proud are not even able to repent. And so, for their own sake, Father, we pray that thou would break them and humble them and bring them very low so that they could receive thy grace and that they could begin, if that is what it would take, Father. How wonderful it would be, Father, when there can be soft hearts, tender hearts that hear the call of the Lord and just humbly submit and yield to thee. And yet we know that it's not always that way, Father. And so we pray, dear God, call souls while there is yet this day and time and grace. Father in heaven, we know that there are many heartaches. We know that there is much sadness. We know that there is much trouble. And yet, Father, we cannot help but feel thankful to be able to come into thy presence in the shadow of thy wings and to feel drawn by thee, 
Father, as we see a world of sin and darkness all around us, we pray, Father, that we would not live in fear of that, but that instead, Father, that we would realize that when we see others that are falling away, others that are in darkness, that we would see it, Father, as a calling from thee to draw ever near, lest it should happen to us. Dear God, we know that the devil, that Satan, is walking around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And we pray that it would not be for any one of us here. Protect us, O God, and keep us safe. Father, show thy great power again in this day. So many men do not know thee. We do not know how to ask for that or what specifically on how that should be or how that should look. But we pray that, Father, in this day and time, that thou would again manifest thy great power as in days of old, where men could begin to shake again at thy presence and see thy great fearfulness and that men would come to fear thee once again. For we know, Lord, that that is the beginning of wisdom. And we pray that it might even be so. Let it be first among us, O God. May we fear thee. May we reverence thee. May we love thee. May we keep thy commandments. Father, there are young and old here. Each of us find ourselves in different places. And so we pray that thy word today would impact us in ways that are good and right. Dear God, we pray that not one of us here would waste the gifts and the talents and the calling that thou dost have rightfully upon each one of our lives. Dear God, that each one of us here might be gripped by thee. Father, we know that it is not too much to ask, that thy spirit would grip us and get a hold of us and focus us into the kingdom of God, that we would truly seek thy kingdom first, that the allurements of this world would have nothing over us, that the powers of Satan would be broken and shattered, Dear God, that thy light would penetrate down into the very depths of our hearts, illuminating and shining there into the very depths, that we might truly be the children of light, having the power of God fully upon us and anointing us and being poured deep within us and then flowing out as living waters to others, so that, Father, that our speech, that our words might be seasoned with grace, edifying those who would hear and listen to us, Dear God, that many souls would come under the sound of conviction and be brought nearer unto thee. O Father, we pray for thy holy anointing. And dear Father, if thou would look upon our hearts and see anything within our lives, we know that thou dost not hear the hypocrites. Thou dost not answer the prayers of the unrighteous. If there are those who are professing to be godly and yet they are living in sin, thou art not mocked, thou art not fooled. O God, thou dost see the very hearts of all men. We are naked before thee with whom we have to do. And so we pray, O God, we know that thy blessing will not be upon those. We know that thy spirit will not dwell within those wicked hearts. And so we pray, O God, that thy spirit would move and stir so that there would be a, genuine, a genuineness throughout our entire being so that not only our face value, but down into the very depths of our heart would be genuine through and through, true, complete, pure, even perfect, O oh Father, so that we could be even as that pure gold, and that the Spirit of God might be manifest through us, and that many could see this great demonstration that we are called into, and that they would want that, that they would want the power of God resting upon their life, 
that they might live that holy, obedient life unto thee, Father, that they would see that way and that they would see that it is good and that they would even come and taste and see. Father, we love thee and we thank thee. May thy blessing be upon us here today. May thy kingdom come, Father. May thy will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. have here Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby ye cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. 
For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we, ourselves, groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray, for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own Son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There was a lot of verses that we covered there. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I considered stopping there after the first four verses, just simply because I think there would be enough right there in those, in those first four verses. And I'm not exactly sure where we're all to go with these thoughts. But I guess where my thoughts are going right now
it seems like the devil works in a couple different ways, a lot of different ways. But one pretty common way that the devil works, it seems like there are those who are living in sin and who should feel condemnation. And, and I'm speaking specifically of those who are professing to be Christians. And they're living in sin, and they don't seem to be bothered by it. They don't seem to be much affected by it. They, they, because in their minds, they say, uh, there's no condemnation. I'm, I'm free. Christ has forgiven me. And the devil really has them in a really bad place. The devil really has them in a bad place. Because they should be troubled for their sin. They're living in sin. They're doing things that aren't right. Whatever manner that might be. And yet they walk with a, a lightness. They walk with a... Um, they don't seem to be too bothered by it. That, that is really a terrible place to be at. And I trust that that's not where any of us are at here. That's on one side of it. You see, that's on one side of the spectrum where the devil works and, 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 and there should be conviction because there's really true sin there. And they shouldn't be feeling okay. The peace that they feel is a false peace. The joy that they feel is a false joy because they're not walking in the spirit. They're walking after their flesh. What are those things of the flesh? We could go to Galatians 5. And uh, maybe we will just hear, just real quickly, j just so we kind of know a little bit, at least give some definition to what it means to walk in the flesh. And we probably have it already memorized, but, but what does it even mean to walk in the flesh? It says here, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And I'm speaking about that group of people who are ensnared by Satan, who think that they are Christians and who think that they are fine, and they think that they're at peace with God because someone has wrongly told them that they are forgiven and that they are going to go to heaven when they die simply because they believe in Jesus, even though they're not living like Jesus. They're walking in the flesh. They're doing the things of the flesh. And what is, what is it to walk in the flesh? It says here, now the works of the flesh are manifest. It's known. We know what the works of the flesh are. It's adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. So that section right there is sexual immorality. Sexual immorality in, different, in its different ways. That's what that covers. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. And such like. Now, I would say, I would encourage everyone, it's good from time to time, go home and look up the definition of those words. I opened up by saying, will we go home and will we actually do anything with the word that we hear? Well, there, that's a practical thing that we could go home and do. Go home and look up the definition of those words and really try to get an understanding of those words. I remember as a young minister being asked by an elder, I've said it before, but a, a, an elder who I really appreciated, he came 
And he said, I'm amazed at how many converts, I'm amazed at how many young men and women who are converts, they do not know even what the definition of the works of the flesh are. And I, I felt convicted as he shared that because, and I thought, I hope he doesn't ask me. And I was a minister. But I don't know that I could have actually went through and told you what each of these words meant. And yet, those who do those things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It's really important that we know definition, that we have definition to those words. And make sure that it's not spotting us, that we are, are having nothing to do with walking in the works of the flesh. Nothing at all. That it's not spotting us in the least. Okay, but now remember, I'm speaking of a group of people who are ensnared by the devil, who are walking in such a way. They read this verse here, Romans chapter 8, and they feel no condemnation whatsoever. They feel no troubling of the heart. They feel no conviction at all, even though they're walking in the, in the flesh. And that's a terrible place to be. And I trust that that's not where any of us, I hope and pray, that's not where any of us are at. But we need, to, we need to know the definition to make sure that we're not. And we can know that. We can go home and we can examine that list there in, in Galatians chapter 5 and make sure, nope, that is nothing in me. Okay, but now I want to flip to the other spectrum of where Satan works. I want to I swing to the other side of where the devil can really, can really wreak havoc. What, are, what, is, what is it to walk in the Spirit? It says there, I should have kept my place, but it says there, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit. So if we're walking in the Spirit, this is what is going to be a part of our life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. So there's not one of us here that really needs to guess. And yet we do wonder sometimes. And I, now I'm speaking about the individual that can be tormented by the devil to wonder, am I walking in the Spirit? Because it is a real battle for some that really feel condemned. They can really feel condemned. So now you have this group of people over here who should be feeling condemned, but they don't. And you have this group of people over here who are feeling condemned, and they shouldn't be. Do you see how the devil tries to flip that all around? And can torment the individual because maybe I didn't say that just right. Maybe I should have had a more willing heart. Maybe I was a little too selfish there, and my heart wasn't quite in the right place. Maybe I wasn't as patient with my sibling. Maybe I wasn't as patient towards mom and dad. Maybe I wasn't as patient towards my children. Maybe I wasn't as, as willing. Maybe I wasn't as joyful. Maybe I wasn't as... And on and on and on it goes. The accusations come from the devil to come in and to rob and to condemn and to accuse so that the individual is left in a state of, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm walking in the Spirit or not. I don't know if, where I'm at with the Lord. I don't know if he's pleased with me. I feel so condemned. I feel so guilty. I feel so bad. I feel like I'm failing. I don't know that I'm doing anything right. I feel so down. I feel like I'm in the dark. I don't know if God sees anything good in me. I just feel like I'm pathetic. I'm just a total failure. 
And they shouldn't be thinking things like that. The devil's having a heyday with them. They're believing a lie. They're giving place to the devil. And then what does that do to these poor souls? It throws them in even deeper. Oh my, I'm giving place to the devil. But see, this can all be broken. There is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who, are, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. What tremendous liberty there is there in walking in the Spirit. But you see, the devil comes. And I think it's a real battle for some. We live in a day and a time where we see horrible things happening. We see, as I've shared, seems like a fair amount lately, because it seems to be happening so frequently. It seems like it's happening on such a frequent level where individuals who were once walking in the Spirit, who were once walking as Christians, who were once walking as believers, today are not. And I think for every serious-minded person, I think for every serious-minded person, that troubles us as we consider ourselves, lest we fall out of the way. I think for every serious-minded person, we have to stop and take inventory and consider ourselves and say, how will that not happen to us? What are we going to do in a way that is different so that we can be walking in the Spirit, not being condemned, being set free from the law of sin, walking in the likeness of, of God? How are we going to avoid the snares of Satan so that we do not fall back into that condemnation? Doesn't every serious-minded person have to stop and consider that when they see a dear one, a loved one, who once had the joy of the Lord, who once had the peace of God, who once walked in the Spirit, suddenly no longer doing that? Or do we just pass on as the simple do and then are punished, it says? The simple pass on, not considering that there's danger in the way, not considering that, look, there's a pitfall here. Look, something happened here to trip this individual up and they fell down into a dark pit and a hole. And how is that going to not happen to me? What's going to keep me from doing that? Some people don't consider that. Oh, that's too bad. Too bad for them. And on they go. And they're a prime candidate for that. Watch out. It says the foolish, the simple, they pass, they pass on and they're punished. But the wise, they foresee the evil, it says. And how does it finish it? The wise foresee the evil, and what do they do? They hide themselves. They hide themselves. Where do they hide themselves? In the cleft of the rock. They hide themselves in the shadow of the wings of the Almighty. They go and they run to Him. As the only place of refuge, as the only safe place in this dark, dangerous world, they run and they hide themselves in His presence. And they cling to Him. And they walk in His Spirit. And He is in them and they are in Him. And his life, as it says here, 
is in them, and their life is in him, and there is no condemnation in them. But I have seen it over and over and over and over again, these dear souls who are trying so hard and who are really living overcoming lives, who are really living obedient lives, who are really living in a way that is, I believe, really pleasing to God, pleasing to their parents, pleasing to the brotherhood, pleasing in all ways, and yet they feel a weight of condemnation and heaviness that's not of God. It's not of God. And the ministers can stand up and find themselves in a pretty hard spot because they preach and they can preach some fiery messages sometimes of repentance against hypocrisy, against sin in the life, against a, a, someone who's professing to be Christian yet living an ungodly life behind the scenes, trying to put a face value here, but you look behind and you realize there's filth there, there's wickedness there, there's disgust there. And the individuals that that message is actually being preached to walk on, not considering anything, living the same way. And the poor souls who are living an overcoming life and sensitive, they have hearts that are soft and tender and, and they're moldable and they're shapeable and they're not wanting to please God in any way. They hear that same message and they say, oh my, oh God, where am I at? I've failed. I haven't made it this week. Where am I at in your presence? Where am I at in relationship to you? And they go home feeling condemned and you say, that message wasn't to you. That message wasn't aimed at you. God was trying to get the, the, the wake the sinners, not the righteous who are walking in the Spirit. So where are we at? For they that are after the flesh, it gives a little more detail here. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. What does it mean to mind the things of the flesh? There's another verse that says, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes. That self-ambition, that self-drive, like trying to seek honor and glory for ourself, trying to make a name for ourself, trying to build up ourself, get what we want done, give in to our desires, our carnal appetites, the, the appetites of the flesh. Again, if we go there to Galatians chapter 5, we see there the works of the flesh. And if we're minding the things of the flesh, gratifying the flesh, then we really have a problem. And so if we're being selfish, if we're being self-centered, if we're being ma manipulative in relationships, controlling and manipulating the situations to get what we want out of the situation. If we're trying to control other people and use guile and deceit, maybe we're not outright always what we call lying, but yet we're being deceptive and bending the truth and twisting it and warping it and making it better or worse than what it actually is. If we have dirty minds, dirty hearts, dirty actions... 
If there's lust, if there's covetousness, if there's envy, if there's bitterness towards individuals, if there's feelings of hatred, if there's feelings of anger, if there's feelings of those kinds of things, and we're giving place to those things, and we're letting our minds be filled with those kinds of thoughts, and we don't, we don't deal with those things, then we better, we better wake up. We better repent. Because it says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And so we need to do an inventory. And again, it's not hard to know what that inventory is. We don't need to guess Are we in the flesh or are we in the spirit? Galatians 5 clearly lays it out. These are the works of the flesh. If you're doing those things, you're in the flesh. If you're not doing those things and we're doing the works of the spirit, then we're in the spirit. And you can't do the works of the spirit unless the spirit of God dwells in you. And how does the Spirit of God dwell in you unless you are pure from the outside, clear down into the inside? Pure all the way through. God's Spirit does not look on the mere outward appearance and say, I think it looks like a nice place to go, a nice dwelling place. Certainly, if it doesn't look good on the outside, I have a hard time thinking that he's going to be attracted to come into the inside. But if we look on a house on the outside and it looks like, well, this is a nice place, and then we walk in and it's filled with garbage, if it's a trash heap on the inside, if it's disheveled and, it's, and it's, there's junk all over the place, boxes after box of trash and junk and clutter, God's Spirit's not going to dwell there. There has to be a sincerity all the way through, a purity all the way through. And when God comes into that place and he sees it swept and clean and garnished by the blood of Christ and there's a cleansing away and the baptismal waters were baptized, we come out, God's spirit dwells there. If we've not been baptized, we do not have the fullness of God. That's why there must be an urgency for baptism. That's why there must be a need for baptism. Because until there's baptism, yes, God's spirit is working there. God's spirit is moving. God's spirit is helping. God's spirit is drawing that soul more and more to righteousness. But unless there's a baptism, unless there's a total washing and a cleansing, how can there be a total infilling and a total indwelling of God's Spirit? And so we need a baptism in order to have the fullness of God's Spirit. And so we can consider the works of the flesh. We can look up those definitions. We can examine our lives and see, is any of that in us? We can look at the fruit of the Spirit, and we can look up the definition of those words, and we can see, is that really in me? It says here, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, that's what we mind. And so I I wonder how it is for us, and and we say it so often, and I believe it's this way for so many of you dear ones here. We wake up in the morning, and our thoughts are caught up to heaven. Is it not? Maybe not always. Again, I am, I am aware that there could be individuals here who struggle with the accusations of, of Satan. Be careful. 
But isn't it often that way? Isn't it that often that way when we wake up in the morning? Do not our thoughts begin to ascend heavenward? Does it not almost immediately come to us the thoughts of our Lord, of his word? Do we fall on our knees? Do we roll out of the bed, fall into our knees? Or if we're getting a little older, maybe sometimes I don't always roll out. I lay there. But don't we begin to pray? Don't we begin to commune with our Lord almost immediately? Do not we begin to ask for grace for the day? Do we not begin to almost immediately say, Lord, may your blessing go with us today. May your presence be near us today. There's something wrong if we wake up, we roll out of bed, and it doesn't occur to us until 10 o'clock in the morning that I haven't prayed yet. I haven't read my Bible yet. There's something out of joint there. We We need to consider that. But as we go throughout the day, are there not distractions that come along? There are. We have to do our job. There's cows that have to be milked. There's there's bushes that need to be planted. There's structures that need to be built. And it demands our time. It demands our thoughts as we're doing that. But aren't we just so glad when we get back in the truck or when we have a moment of break? Do not our thoughts again, like a magnet, don't they just go back to our Lord? Don't they fly back there as a refuge, as a thought of like, oh, what a haven of rest. Walking in the Spirit. As we see the clouds, as we see the sunset, as I've said, as we see the, the birds flying around, maybe there's a, there's a rainbow, maybe there's the lightning, maybe a, a storm is coming in. Maybe we see the beautiful fall colors, maybe the flowers are over here, the grass is beautiful green. As we walk throughout the day, do we not see God in all of those things? Or do we just pass on and never even think about it? Some never even think about it. I think, what are you missing out on? I heard a story of a sister. She was a sister in the church for years and years and years. She was a go-getter. I mean, she just went. There was a drive in her. She was in her 80s, I believe, maybe you know, close to 90. One day she says to one of her children, her grandchildren, she says, look at that sunset. I've never noticed that before. She was 90 years old, 80 years old. I don't know. She was old. Had went through her entire life and had never noticed a sunset. Had never noticed a sunset. Walking in the Spirit. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God in everything. In the rain, in the heat, in the cold, in the snow, in the flowers, in the birds, in the squirrels, in the animals, in everything. We're walking up, we're coming up the driveway, and I see all these little nuts that have been chewed, and I know there's been squirrels up there. And I, I see God in all that. Is that crazy? Or is that just how it's supposed to be? Seeing our Creator in everything. Not because we're just really focused people. It's his life living in us. And so as his life lives in us, we see him and he sees us. Or do we go throughout the day barely giving a thought? Just another work day. We're missing out if we are. We're missing out. It says here, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. We're not going to get through all this. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Do you know that God's Spirit dwells in you? 
Many of us here know, many of us here know that God's Spirit dwells in us, not in a boastful way. We don't say that in an arrogant way. We don't say that in a proud way. But we know that God's Spirit dwells in us because we know what we were before. We know who we were before. We know the monsters of sin that we were before God's Spirit came into us. And we know that we are not the same people anymore. We know we are not the same person anymore. The things that we once loved, we hate today. The things that we once hated, we love today. I can't do that. The only answer that I have for that is that God's Spirit is dwelling in me. And He's changed my heart. He's changed my mind. He's changed my desires. He's changed my affections. He's even changed my personality in some ways. He's made me a different man, a different person, a different creature. Can we not recognize that in ourselves when Satan comes and says, enlist all of our failings, enlist all of our weaknesses? And undoubtedly, we all have that yet. But can we not yet stop and say, but you know, God has really done a wonderful work. I'm not where I was before. And though I'm not yet maybe exactly where I need to be at, God is doing something in me. God is working something in me. And though I see those falling around, all those loved ones around me even falling away and going back into the darkness, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So that I don't have to live in constant fear of unknowingly falling into a pit that I can never get out of. But God gives me eyes to see and ears to hear, heart to understand, and his spirit is leading me and guiding me. And more than all of that, he is a loving, kind, heavenly father who sits on the throne of God and has no intention at all that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth and is wanting to help us every single step of the way. The wise foresee the evil and they hide themselves from it. Where? In that cleft, in that shadow. They flee to the presence of God, being led by his spirit. There's so much more here yet, but I think I'd just like to close with these encouraging thoughts. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall do that? When those fears come, when those doubts rise, when those accusations fly into our face, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Does that make you want to cling to him? Does that make you want to run to him? It does me. I want to be even closer. I want to be nearer to the heart of God.
And if there's anything in my life that's preventing that, then I want to get rid of it. I want to repent of it. I want to confess it. Nothing at all between us. May God bless us with that kind of relationship. May God be near us. Maybe a brother has some, some final thoughts.